Up and at him in the morning. Live here. On the phone, meteorologist John Lindsay, uh, formerly of PG&E. He is retired now. He is uh, a friend of the show, and it's just so cool to be able to chat with you early. And I don't even know, what, well, how is your day different? Are you, are you still an early riser? I'm curious. Oh, I sure am. I, I can't help myself. <laughs> this, well, number one, we have a dog. That, well, I mean, before that, our our two cats will jump up on the bed and wake us up. <laughs> they, uh, they, they demand to be fed. And that usually occurs around six o'clock or so, and and then um, you know we listen to the news and on on the radio and and listen to listen to you, Adam, and then we take our dog for a walk usually around around seven o'clock or so. Oh, cool! So yeah, we're we're still pretty early risers, and I don't think they'll they'll ever change. There's just so many things to do, Adam. I I can't right. stay in bed because I. There's so many things I want to, I need to get done. You know, uh, with the, the okay, so we have the heat wave. We it's cooling down. We're kind of switching things around. Like you said, this will be a transition day tomorrow. Let's talk um, beyond just the next week. What what do we see for uh, the rest of fall? What do we see when you look at your models for you know winter? Are, are we going to be uh, maintaining? I mean, is October going to be a warm month at the beaches? As it often can be what are we seeing like in the uh not so distant but distant future yeah so um we're looking at below average temperatures thank goodness um for for most of the rest of september but there is a heat wave that's advertised at the end of september um at this time we really don't know how severe it's it's going to be and that will probably um continue into the first part of october and then the long-range models are advertising pretty much normal temperatures to the rest of October, November, and December. Unfortunately, um, the models are also advertising uh, that we'll have probably below-average rainfall in October, November, and December due to a triple-dip La Nina. And, um, yep, so that's kind of where, where we're stuck at right right now. But even though the models say this, Adam, you never know. I, I mean, things could change on a, on a dime, turn on a dime, and, you know, come late October, we could have a couple of big storms coming through, and it could basically bust the model. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But at this point, it looks like it's going to be a dry uh, latter half of 2022. However, now this is kind of the big news, is uh, it looks like we may get back into a neutral condition, L nothing, or an El Nino uh, for the beginning of 2023, and then hopefully that will uh, produce some uh, above-average rainfall. So I think that would be wonderful news if that was to transpire. Triple-dip La Nina. What does triple-dip mean? That's so funny. Yeah, well, we've been in a La Nina condition for almost three years now. Oh, got it. Um, okay. so right. which, which is... Um, unusual you, not you don't normally see this right and you know so we've had really strong trade winds uh, across the equatorial pacific and a lot of a lot of really warm water um you know basically smashed up on on malaysia's coastline and uh, really severe weather i i mean um you know s some horrific um Rainfall in Pakistan, where almost the, yes. of the country's underneath the water right now, yeah. and so a lot of uh, a lot of severe weather being um, caused by this in that part of the world. Right. 
but um, we are seeing that perhaps the trade winds will finally relax somewhat, maybe even retrograde um, during the first part of 2023. So we'll we'll see what transpires. All right, my last question for you, because you've, uh, I mean, you were a PG&E for a long time. You took me out to Diablo uh, several times. Uh, it feels like the, the, the powers that be that choose we're closing it, we're opening it, must have been wrong to say we're closing it because now they've had to backtread and say, no, we really need Diablo to stay open. This is something you and I have been talking about uh, for a while. Um, expand on just on the idea of, of keeping Diablo open and then just kind of branch into, you know, quickly how um, you see energy in the next five to ten years. Because by 2026, they want, what, like two-thirds of cars sold to be EV. You see where our grid is now, and California is in a real uh, energy issue. And I don't even know how it's like you're going to tell us we can't have power from four to nine, and yet you want to tell everyone to plug in their cars. Where do you see this going, and, and how do you see this working? Yeah, I, I mean, Adam, I tend to be an optimist. Um, Diablo Canyon is a magnificent facility, and I'm really happy um, that its life will be extended because we really need um, that clean energy from Diablo Canyon to as a bridge um, to a clean energy um, future. I think that we, we could all, all enjoy, and I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, especially with uh, with the F-150 Lightning, it's, it's an F-150 pickup, but it's 100% electric. And uh, they've got some pretty large battery packs where if you ever lost electricity at your house, it would be able to power your house for up to 10 days. But the, the best thing about, in my opinion, the best thing about the F-150 Lightning is it's bi-directional, which means that not only can it charge from the grid, but it could put electricity back into the electrical grid. And that's huge because that's a battery storage. So in the spring, believe it or not, um, there's so many solar panels in California that the price for electricity can actually go negative um, because people aren't using air conditioners in, in the spring. It's still cool enough. And in the, even in the summer months, um, we actually have an abundance of, of solar. And the idea was what you know, it would charge your your F-150 Lightning or other bi-directional EVs. They'll be made available in, in, in the future. And then at night, when the sun sets, that those pickup trucks could put electricity back into the grid. So um, I can speak for myself. I have an EV and I have a solar panels on, on my house. And um, so it's really, really inexpensive to charge that EV because... During the day, we're pumping electricity into the grid. And the same thing could be said for F-150. Um, you know, pumping electricity back into the grid, and you're charging that pickup truck. Uh, in fact, let me reverse that. You're charging the pickup truck during the day when there's abundance of, of electricity. And then when the sun sets, you may get a notification on your smartphone saying, hey, do you want to sell some of your electricity from your batteries in the F-150 back into the grid? For a profit, and you go, heck yeah, I will, and huh. you can choose how many kilowatts electricity you want to put back into the grid, um, reserving some to maybe get to work the, the next day. Um, so it's really, um, really exciting. And huh. you know, the F one hundred and fifty is the most, you know, basically it's it's the most popular vehicle in the United States. Right. So, but it will take it will take a while to get enough pickup trucks and other EVs on the grid that are bi directional. Um, to, to 
you know, make the grid stable again. What about you know, the, the problem stable. with the, the EVs also is they're a pain in the ass because you got to sit and wait for them forever and, you know, they take a long time. Are we working on or are like people working on the idea of like you, you're, you're driving this EV and like just by driving it, we can charge it in a way? Like, is, that, is there something to that? Yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, there's some other countries that are working in, into basically um, putting uh, wires in roads with, with inductive charging. So when you're driving, you're you're charging essentially. Interesting. Um, but then again, I mean, uh, a lot of these new EVs with the fast charging stations, you get like 80 percent of your battery capacity within 30 minutes. So the idea is, is a lot of these new EVs have ranges of two or three. And some of them are, are getting up to 400-mile ranges, which, you know, I don't know about you, Adam, but I, I've never really driven much more than 300 miles in one day, maybe 400 miles at, mm -hmm. at the very most. But, yeah, you could stop at a, at a supercharging station, um, go get lunch or get a cup of coffee, and, 80, and in 30 minutes um, you're at 80% of, of, your, of your battery's capacity. So that's becoming um, less and less of an issue. And... You know, one thing I want to tell your listeners right off the bat, that electric vehicles are around four-fold or four times more energy efficient than an internal combustion engine. So with, uh, with an internal combustion engine, you have radiators and you have fans and water pumps and everything else because when you burn a gallon of gas or diesel, around 19% of that energy gets converted to spin your wheels. The other 81% is actually... Uh, you know, gets generated as heat, and all that heat's got to be removed. With an EV, you're around 80% of that energy gets converted to spinning your wheels on, on your vehicle, and only 20% wasted as heat. Um, so right off the bat, you're four times more energy efficient with an EV than you are with an ICE engine. So that's a right there is a huge advantage. Yeah, um, no, there's no, there's no doubt. I think they need to figure out they need to make them more price affordable for the average person. Also, I think that California at least has an issue with charging stations and keeping them up and keeping them. So as soon as those things, I think, all get dialed in, I mean, you're right. I mean, just the the efficiency in them alone is uh, it, it speaks volumes. But it'll be interesting when the, when the, when all those kind of customer friendly things come around, they bring the price down. Charging stations are more of them, and they're, they're working better than I think, and they're dependable. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting times, yeah. huh? Well, you know, Adam, I've been driving an EV for quite some time now, like a Ford Focus electric, and it's like the best car I've ever owned before. I mean, the only thing we've done as far as maintenance is replace the tires and replace the windshield washer wipers. Wow. That, and also, I've had to put in some windshield washer fluid, right? Right. That's been <laughs> it for, for seven years. And, uh, you know, you got to pay for insurance. you got to pay for registration. But with solar panels on my home, my electricity is essentially almost free. And, um, yeah. So That's awesome. As far as... And then, of course, EVs are so comfortable, they're so fast, they're so quick, um, hardly no maintenance. Quiet. Yeah, I, I, I think once you drive an EV, most people never go back to an ICE, ICE vehicle, to an internal combustion engine vehicle. It, it just, they're, they're just great. I mean, they really are, Adam. The one and only John Lindsay. Oh, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, catch up with you. I'm glad you're enjoying retirement. Uh, enjoy your son's uh, graduation. And, and seeing your daughter after a long 10-month deployment, good Lord, 
Just in time, though, for like the fall and Thanksgiving and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, well, Adam, as always, thank you so much for having me on, on your show. You're a real treasure. And, uh, and long may you broadcast, Adam. Thank you, sir. John Lindsay, thanks for being up and Adam in the morning, my man. Up and Adam in the morning. With Adam on heel. Weekday mornings, 6 to 10 a.m. The Crush 92.5, the perfect blend.